What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lights Out F1 podcast. Uh, I'm Patrick. That's Jakob. And this here is our friend from Formula World. Uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself in your podcast. Hey, guys. Well, my name is Alvaro. I'm from Formula World. Uh, you might uh, know us from Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube, and we are almost everywhere. And uh, yeah, we are a community from all over the world covering the, the news and the all the information, the details, the stats about the Formula World, uh, not only Formula One, but Formula Two, F3, and yeah, and a, a, a lot of information from different categories. So yeah, we we are covering uh, a lot of action on track, and, uh, and we are glad to be here with you and uh, discuss about my home Grand Prix, which is the Spanish uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, Which was not the most interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we jump into the Spanish Grand Prix, I kind of just want to know, like, first off, who your favorite team and drivers are, and then uh, your thoughts on the F1 season as a whole currently. Yeah, well, I I, I don't actually have a favorite uh, team or driver because I, I just like the sport. Yeah. I'm an engineer and I've been uh, involved in, in motorsport in different uh, ways and different aspects of the sport so i just like the the overall uh the overall game you know mm-hmm. but yeah i mean from spain and the first the earliest memories i have from motorsport um, watching uh, fernando alonso fighting with with michael schumacher uh, so yeah having a, a national hero and people was crazy in my family as well. They were crazy with Alonso fighting with a seven-time world champion. So yeah, I, I have a I feel close to, to Fernando Alonso because of that. Uh, yeah, I'm really very happy to to see him again with a competitive car this this season with Aston Martin. And yeah, it's it's great. But I don't have a favorite uh, team or driver. I like Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> it's a classic team. Uh, I like Red Bull because I, I really uh, admire how they work uh, and they how they are organized inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, how a um, energetic drink <laughs> company became a Formula One team and, and have won champions. So it's it's uh, absolutely amazing. Though I, I really admire how Red Bull are working. That's good. And the season, yeah. uh, talking about this, this 2023 season, uh, it's basically what we expected, like Red Bull ahead of everyone. And it's interesting to, to have Aston Martin uh, there, uh, surprising everyone with uh, Mercedes uh, waking up after a difficult uh, 2022 year. And yeah, Ferrari. Well, they are, they are there. <laughs> uh, nothing special from them. But I, I don't know what to expect from Ferrari. I mean, I never want to to expect big things from them because if I do, I will be disappointed. So I try to yes enjoy the <laughs> the Grand Prix. And yeah, nice, Jakob. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, liking Red Bull, <laughs> I mean, not your favorite topic. No, I mean you have to you respect what they what they've achieved over the last three years or so with um, 
building that competitive call and um, just, you know, basically like smashing the rest of the grid. Like it's, you respect them over the last two years. They're not my favorite team, obviously, but um, uh, it, it's, it's, you have to respect it. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the same question that Christian Horner asked like a couple, was it last week? I think he was like, where are the others? Like, you yeah. know, this is a, so, you know, I respect, you respect what they've built and how they've, and what they've achieved over the last two years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of just yeah. jumping straight into Spain. Uh, first off, I just kind of want to know how you guys feel about the weekend as a whole. Um, and then kind of split it between qualifying and the race, because I feel like right now those kind of live on their own. Uh, so I guess we'll start with uh, rate the race. <laughs> From one to to ten, mm-hmm. uh, uh, three. <laughs> Is it like a high three? A three, yeah, uh, three out of ten for me. <laughs> it's pretty low. <laughs> Why so low? I mean, I expected much much more from from the race because. The last years it was like a very uh, strategic race with the uh, pit stops, with the uh, compound selection, and, and we had like that rain uh, forecast for today's race, and the rain never came. It was just George Russell with Sweden, all the races, and we we had like. Maybe it was me. We have like high expectations uh, with Carlos Sainz at home, his home Grand Prix uh, in P2. Like expecting him to be more aggressive, even in the in the race start. And uh, yeah, the Aston Martin was not in the pace in in Barcelona. So uh, it was interesting to see the recovery from Mercedes, uh, especially George Russell, and team made a great race. But uh, the track, also with the new layout, uh, everyone had like uh, the pipe with that uh, last chicken removed, and it was more of the same. Uh, like only DRS overtakes and not not, not much more. So yeah. for me, it's a three out of ten. Jakob, I, I mean, I can see this point, but I had a solid. I thought it was a solid seven, eight on ten. Um, it was you had you had. A, I mean, you had everything you. I mean, yes, the rain it never came, so it, it would have been. I, I guess it would have been more exciting had the rain come. Maybe more of a. Maybe Max could have given would have been given more of a run for his money, but um, it was. I thought it was well as it was personally for me. It was a good. It was a good race. Like um, the Mercedes worked super well. They were quite clearly the second fastest car at this particular race. Yep. Um, uh, it was interesting to see how far Ferrari sort of dropped off. Um, Leclerc made no impression on ever getting into the points. Um, and science, I don't know, like with science, it was, he said, uh, the team radio said, I think his engineer was like, uh, you know, you need to pick up the pace. And he said, I have pace in hand. And it was like. Hamilton <laughs> strolled up, strapped, strolled up, mugged him off, and then continued on. And I was <laughs> like, okay. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a solid eight on 10. I think um, the only, you know, I think, yeah, solid eight on 10. Okay. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the removal of the chicane and uh, the inclusion of two medium high, or I guess you can call them both high-speed corners because they're basically taken flat out? Because um, obviously, you know, we were expecting a lot more overtaking to happen and that was where it mainly happened, but it felt like before Spain was one of those tracks where outside of the really long main straight, it felt like one of the places where you get a lot more uh, organic overtakes, like in the middle of corners and um, like directly out of the chicane, not really using DRS. So I'm kind of curious how you guys feel about the changes to the track. Alvaro, you can start. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, Barcelona layout. Uh, it's very uh, difficult to overtake with these huge cars, but also if you look at uh, feeder series, uh, I mean, the F2 and F3 results this weekend were like this almost the same as as the qualifying ones. So it's very difficult even to overtake with with DRS and with smaller cars. They need to rethink this this circuit if they want races to be more entertaining. Or they need to rethink the the strategic part of the of the race because Max was I mean the Pirelli tires are too hard in in overall it's because Verstappen can do almost half of the race with the same compounds yeah. and being first and doing the pit stop and and keeping his his lead yep. so it's it's mm, it, it's not working <laughs> they need to, to, to think about this. It, the the only teams that are struggling with the tires are the, the competitors for Red Bull and the Aston Martins had um, terrible pace with the soft tires this race and uh, Ferrari are always struggling with this. So I think that's a problem from the, from the layout in general that it's very difficult to overtake and to have uh, a close gap to the, to the driver in front of you and uh, another point of the track is that uh, testing is almost every year done there yeah. so teams have are, they, they know every millimeter of the of the circuit mm -hmm. perfectly so the setup is perfect and they don't need three three practice sessions to to make the car perfectly balanced and optimizing the, the package because they know every single detail about the track yeah. so that's uh, a big handicap for the for the circuit in my point yeah mm -hmm. kind of agree with them i think the circuit is inherently needs a different layout you can't just change remove one chicane make it a long high-speed corner and then expect more the whole the entire circuit needs to rethink and i think that's partly why they're considering madrid for the future um but uh, yeah i mean i think they don't need three practice sessions maybe convert barcelona to a sprint race as opposed to having it at like imola or miami where there's barely any overtaking you can see that yes with drs they can pass and maybe convert barcelona into a sprint weekend um but yeah i think you need they it definitely need the the circuit format definitely needs a rethink and 
Um, it, uh, I think the whole weekend in Barcelona needs to rethink because it, yes, the race was exciting, but I mean, you kind of expected Max out front and then based on uh, the only mystery was who was going to fill out the podium spots and you just saw like as soon as the race sort of started and got underway, you kind of knew Hamilton had second covered and third was either going to be Sainz, Perez or Russell because the Aston Martins just fell off, had terrible pace this weekend. So, you know, I think the entire weekend for Barcelona needs a bit of a rethink, maybe convert it into a sprint or change the form, sort of make some more adjustments to the circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious, because you guys kind of bring up a point, uh, the Pirelli tires, I mean, like Alvaro was saying, the tires are too hard. They're, I mean, it's almost a case of them doing too well with the compounds, and I mean, even with the introduction of new ones, it feels like they're just getting to last too long. Um, I think it was 2021 when we got to see Lewis overtake uh, Max after deciding to pit twice. And that's the type of thing I think we want to see at a circuit like this. Whereas this year we got to see Lewis and George go for almost half the race distance on soft tires, which shouldn't be a thing. And then do the other almost half race or slightly more than half race distance on medium tires, which I think, uh, you know, having a one-stop strategy at this track, it's not the most exciting prospect. So do you guys think it's just a, like, it feels like it's been a season-long problem. Do you guys think Pirelli just done, like, too well with the tires and they should probably be, like, more degrading or softer? Yeah. There's another interesting point on on today's race, which is that the weather was quite weird considering it was in Spain because the race in Barcelona is normally in in May, uh, mid-May, and we are in June, so... It's a little bit later than the normal date of the race, and the weather here is is very hot and very dry, especially in Barcelona in, the, in those dates. And uh, this week it's been weird because the weather was so rainy, was was cloudy, and the uh, temperature was as lower than they expected. So I guess that Pirelli. Uh, chosen the the two the tires thinking about those temperatures yep. and uh, the reality was very different so the gradation was way lower than expected uh, especially in the in the hard tires and the medium ones uh, so yeah I think the problem there is that purely are doing really well as you said with the new compounds and they don't they never risk they never take risks because yeah. they could have changed the the compounds for these weekends. Okay, it's uh, a challenge for the organization, for the logistics of the Pirelli organization. Yeah, that's true. But they knew that the weather was going to be uh, cooler than the normal weather in Barcelona and they didn't change the the compounds they could have said okay uh, if it's I don't remember C3 uh, let's choose the the C4 soft compound and and talking about purely in general I think the best solution and the most interesting one would be uh, introducing another manufacturer for the for the races, uh, like 
we used to have with with Bridgestone and, and Michelin in uh, like 20 years ago. Yeah. It was very interesting because there were different uh, setups for the car in some circuits when well, I mean, in some circuits, Michelin was better than Bridgestone and the opposite. So it was another interesting point. And in this kind of races, it could be an additional interest. Mm-hmm. Not only which companies are they going to, to choose. It's will the Michelin uh, medium compound will be better than, than the Bridgestone hard one on how is it going to work in this car or in this other car. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's something they could think about and they are not going to do it because Pirelli <laughs> wants to be alone on the grid. Yeah. But yeah, it's something I, I think it could be positive for the sport. Mm-hmm. Jakob? Yeah, I think um, if, you know, if, you, if you're not going to bring in another manufacturer of tires, then let the teams pick their own manufacturers. That, that's, I think we're, we're, we're trending towards the thing where everything is sort of getting um, unified, right? Everything's sort of becoming generic in some aspects. Tires, um, stuff is becoming very similar to each other. So make it, you, you've got even side pods, even car designs are now becoming very similar, which is a trend that... Uh, occurs across formula one but um if we're here for if we're talking about the show and making it more interesting and making racing more interesting let the tire let the teams pick their own manufacturers and you know you 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 might have like a variety of um manufacturers it might not be profitable for the manufacturers but i'm sure a bunch of them would like to get into formula one and get their names out there or we just let the teams pick the compounds for the pick their own compounds for the race. So let's say Ferrari pick C1, C2, C3. Let Red Bull might pick C3, C4, C5, right? Let them pick their own compounds. You know, we used to have ultra soft, 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 super soft, medium, hards uh, in 2018. And then, yeah, we went soft, medium, hards. So just let them pick, let them pick their own compounds. If, if, you know, I guess it's just a suggestion. It's not likely to happen, but it would be an interesting case. That would be, I think that's a much better prospect than kind of having multiple different manufacturers for tires. Um, yeah. Because I think Pirelli are doing a great job, I feel like, since the tires became regulated, I think it was back in 2011. Uh, I mean, the racing has been awesome, and I feel like it do- definitely does level the playing field. But given the option to pick different compounds for the race and like kind of how you want to distribute them would be a lot cooler than have having different ones. I think the like one of the easiest uh, examples to target on this would be uh, Bridgestone versus Michelin back in I want to say 2005, the U.S. Grand Prix that was supposed to happen, um, and the Bridgestone tires sucked all season long, and then when it came to the U.S. Grand Prix, the Michelin tires like the rear left and the front left would explode after like 10 laps because of the last corner um but bridgestone wasn't having that problem and that was because um bridgestone was the tire that sponsored the indy 500 and so they had all the data from that and so you only had six cars take to the grid um if you guys want more on that one josh revel his youtube channel has an entire thing on that but um i think 
yeah problems i like think that, like yeah problems like that are ones that make it difficult to have multiple different manufacturers yeah i think like even if you went for the solution of making them pick their own compounds mm. you could say at the beginning of every season like for every rate you for you so basically like this is more going into detail about it but at the beginning of the season every team gets to select their compounds for every race so that pirelli doesn't have like logistical issues yeah and for the say for say for tracks that you've not been to yet that you uh sort of haven't sort of you're just guesstimating based on history or prior knowledge or whatever you get like a sub so you can change the compound um say a week out or two weeks out depending on weather conditions stuff like that mm. but stuff like yeah. that would make it more i guess make it more interesting in that aspect yeah yeah because Pirelia are making the same mistakes every year like the i think the best example of this is uh, alex albon last year in australia uh completing the almost the whole race except of yeah. one lap with the same compounds and this year it it happened again with oscar piastri uh he uh boxed in in lap, lap one <laughs> and then he completed the, the rest of the race with the same compounds and it's again the same situation they don't learn learn from from mistakes and that's not a good point i mean it's obviously not the best uh selection for the compounds in a race they must risk <laughs> and if if teams try to do one pit stop and the the tires explode it's their problem <laughs> like like honor would say <laughs> change your your tires <laughs> because yeah it's exactly. your problem you you need to, to take care of, of your tire and and if you can't complete the race with one pit stop another one And it's your problem if you if you can't manage it. I think I think it's a sort of direct this the going taking being a safe bet with the tires is sort of on Pirelli's end is sort of a reflection a sort of a consequence of 2021 where you had tires just randomly sort of puncturing right you had Qatar where a bunch of, I think a bunch of tires had punctures and then you had Silverstone where Lewis Max sign no Lewis science and Valtteri just had random punctures in the, at the end of the race. And then again in Baku when Max and Stroll just hit the wall randomly um, because of punctures, right? And I think you had like all that flack that Pirelli got for oh you know they need to harden the tires or whatever, all the negative stuff that Pirelli got from the teams. So I mean yeah, I kind of agree with Alvaro. I think we I think we need a more uh, <laughs> risky approach with the tires from Pirelli's end. Yeah, yeah, because it's the wrong philosophy. I mean, you can't if if drivers uh, have punctures because they try to extend the 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 stint too much. You can't think, okay, I'm going to do a harder tire. No, it's their problem if they try yeah. to extend the stint too much. They need to do another pit stop because they can't handle with this with those uh, tires anymore. So. It's not the, the right philosophy to, to say, okay, they are having issues. I'm going to do the perfect tire. No, that's not the spot. Yeah, I think that uh, Formula One as a whole is uh, like it's a race of risks. And like theoretically speaking, most of the time, the most excitement you get is when people take those risks. And uh, whether it's drivers or teams or an organization as a whole like when they take those risks and like when they sink or swim like that's when you get the most excitement like uh 
Carlos last year as a light version of it, like deciding that he's not going to protect Charles. Like that wasn't definitely wasn't a team decision, but like you got probably one of the most exciting races out of it. And I mean, probably one of the most iconic lines you'll ever get from a commentator. So, um, but yeah, so just the whole risk factor of F1, I feel like is getting taken out. And I feel like that's also up to the budget cap because um, Pirelli, they have to make their tires strong enough to support the cars for long stints. And teams will probably like give a lot of backlash to Pirelli if their tires explode and it deals damage to the car because that's damage that you weren't accounting for and it really wasn't your fault. But then uh, kind of up to strategy as well, it kind of is your fault. Um, but yeah. off the topic of tires, uh, <laughs> let's just talk about the teams and drivers today. Um, Red Bull, there's not much to talk about. Uh, Max kind of just took it. So we'll just jump straight to Mercedes. Uh, they had an awesome race today. George pulled it back. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, like, how do you guys feel about their upgrades now that we see them on a more classic circuit and not at Monaco? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about it? It's, it's they, they just got the, the right uh, concept of, for the car. Yeah. In Monaco, it was impossible to, to, to see if the new side pods were the right solution because Monaco is, is different but Barcelona is a very uh, complete uh, track and it's very easy to see where the car performs better that's why they uh, chose that that circuit for the testing because it's very complete uh, they have a, a lot of kinds of, of corners and uh, we, we have seen that the Mercedes is working they had some problems in qualifying because it was so weird the, the session of, of of Saturday this this weekend, but the race pace is simply uh, astonishing. It's been far better than the Ferrari pace, and uh, I think it's going to be very similar to Aston Martin because they, I think they didn't have the the best setup for this track but i think they will be very very similar very close to each other mercedes and aston martin because of that that concept but yeah i was very impressed with with mercedes i really admire how how they are uh, overcoming these difficult years and uh, yeah they have been working really hard and it's it's good to to have louis and and yacht on the podium yeah with max Jakob, how do you feel about it, it yeah i mean good is uh you i think we finally i think they finally sort of woken up i think this was a, a good wake-up race for them because obviously monaco you can't really judge how it's going to function but um this weekend they got a good a good sense of we got a good sense of how the upgrades are working and um, how a new concept functions now. Whether that actually now they're still like a good half a second to a second behind Red Bull uh, on race pace, but um, it gives you it gives you a good sort of baseline now to start with. Hopefully, by the end of the season, if you can sort of at least close a gap to Red Bull, not catch Red Bull, but close the gap a little bit more, and then for twenty twenty four, then you're able to sort of maybe catch them. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, as Alvaro was saying, it's going to be a good 
uh, battle between uh, Mercedes and Aston Martin for P2. Ferrari, I think, are sort of just... I don't know what to make of Ferrari, so we'll, we'll, we'll table that for another time. But um, I think... I, my season prediction is Mercedes come out on top for P2 and the constructors solely because Fernando Alonso is sort of carrying Aston Martin and Lance Stroll isn't really doing a lot. So. Yeah. So on the topic of Aston Martin, um, they also brought upgrades. Uh, I think every team brought upgrades to this track, um, save for Red Bull. Um, and I'm, it doesn't seem like Aston Martins were working that well. So I'm kind of curious, like, do you guys think that it's just like, um, well, maybe we didn't get to see the best of what Fernando could do with the new upgrades because of his, uh, lap one excursion, or do you think it's just like representative of, you know, maybe it's not the best track for Aston Martin and maybe like prefer a track with more, uh, medium and sl- uh, slow speed corners and high speed corners. And- in qualifying, I think we could have seen Alonso higher than he finished because of that damage in the floor uh, caused by the Q1 uh, excursion and lap in the, entering the the fast lap. And uh, I think that the biggest upgrades that Aston Martin is going to bring uh, in the next few races, uh, including this one, is uh, next. Grand Prix in Canada, they are bringing a, a big package, and uh, their uh, idea for this year is to introduce different upgrades uh, all along the year because and that the wind tunnel uh, uh, hours will change in mid-season because they are they finished last year in P7 infrastructures and they are currently p3 so the time will be reduced for the last part of the season and they will have less time so they are trying to uh organize the time in in order to to have the same uh, amount of, of developing time for the whole year and not uh, developing a lot now and uh, and then dropping the pace in the last part of the season i think that's quite intelligent from from them because they will be able to follow uh, Mercedes, especially in the in that uh, development of the of the car this year, and Red Bull will drop during the season, uh, but they have a huge pace. I mean, a huge gap with the with the next car, so it's going to be difficult to catch them. But I think Aston Martin will will have good upgrades in the next Grand Prix. And we know that Alonso is a specialist in taking the best from, from the car. Yep. We have seen it in, during the whole year in comparison to Stroll. Stroll made a great race today. And uh, he was quite solid in qualifying. That's uh, something that we must say. He, he was uh, performing great this, this weekend. But, but yeah, we know that Fernando is going to to carry the team the, the rest of the year, for sure. Yeah, could be your thoughts on Aston Martin today. Yeah, I mean, pretty poor race, um, considering that there have been podium sitters for the last couple of races. Um, um, but I think, you know, you can put that down to um, Mercedes just having a good weekend and Alonso not having that great of a weekend and still 
problem with Stroll is that he's unreliable. It's like one weekend he's just like languishing in P15, P16, competing at the lower end, and then on a weekend where Alonso is not doing that great, he'll have a good, he'll have a decent weekend. Um, yeah, all things considered, it'll be a good. I think it'll be a close battle between uh, Aston and Mercedes. Um, I think, um, you know, with the development that they're, I think they're going to have similar development curves in that sense because they're pretty similar cars. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to the battle, but um, I don't have a lot of hope riding Lance Stroll competing at the higher levels. Yeah. Um, so the team that we kind of all keep putting down, and I mean, rightfully so, uh, Ferrari didn't have the greatest weekend. Um, and I'm kind of curious to know how you guys feel about their upgrade package because it feels like they're doing what McLaren have done two times in a row now, where rather than making an upgraded concept, they've kind of sidestepped to give themselves more space. And I think Fred Versier also said after uh, Friday practice that, you know, this isn't supposed to be a massive upgrade package. Like they're planning on introducing upgrades basically every race for the rest of the season. Um, so I'm kind of curious to know how you guys feel about the upgrade package and about their weekend as a whole. <laughs> Jakob, you can start. How does Todd talk in about uh, Ferrari? Yeah. Qualifying was not too bad. <laughs> you look at Carlos Garage. Uh, I think he's feeling confident with the car differently to last year because he was very. Uh, he was making a lot of mistakes because he wasn't uh, confident with the with the new uh, rules. And Charles. He's like he's like lacking confidence right now. Uh, when he has a competitive car and he can fight with the top teams, he's the best or one of the best drivers on the grid. Uh, the same level as us. Not the same level because he hasn't proved in that, but it's he's close to Max, close to Lewis, and but when the car is not where he wants the car to be, uh, he's not capable of, of taking the best parts of the car and, and doing a good job with, with that car. And we are seeing that during this, this season because uh, his results are being terrible. He's having not the best of lucks, but uh, yeah, his performance this weekend was simply terrible. Uh, terrible. Yeah, Not, we can't we can't blame we can't blame on the car. No. It's his performance. Yeah. Yeah, could be that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's hard to sort of disagree with him. He I mean Charles is he's yes, he's had some bad luck and you know, some unreliability, but I mean this weekend what's the excuse? You know, I think he's had it wasn't a great uh, show. Admittedly, he didn't have the upgrade, but during practice, um, certainly at some points in practice, it looked like the, the 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 previous car was faster than uh, Science's upgraded car. So, um, 
as a whole, I think Charles, um, it was a pretty, pretty terrible weekend for him. I think with, with Carlos, it was, it was interesting. He seemed to say, he seemed to think he had a lot more pace in hand and then sort of got mugged by both Luis George and Perez. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, whether or not, uh, they sort of rise from sort of the hole that they've dug for themselves is, is remains to be seen, but I don't have a lot of expectation for that to happen. I think they'll comfortably hold P3. No, actually they might even drop to P4, uh, in the constructors, considering that Mercedes and Aston, Aston were looking pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Charles is like on talent and on paper, he's one of the best. Like he is compet, he can't compete with Max and Lewis. It's just you know the moment he has sort of something doesn't go his way and something the car isn't with him, it's sort of just demotivates him. Like it's like a so I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not really sure if he can if he can fight with Max right now. That's why I yeah, stopped no. myself when I was talking because he was able to battle with Max in 2019, but the difference is that Max has grown a lot as a driver. He is more mature. He makes almost no mistakes, and he's very intelligent while driving, while driving all the time when he's in front and when he's starting in P15 because he is able to manage the race to to win starting from any position of the grid. But Charles, he's, I think he's not growing as he should if he wants to be a world champion. He needs to, to calm himself, try to, to give better feedback to the team because that's something that I think differences him from Carlos. Carlos is, is great giving feedback to the engineers. That's something that Every single team he has been has highlights uh, that his his capability of of giving great feedback from how he he feels on the car, and that's um, something very positive for the team, and I think that's the key of his performance this year because he is Charles is having bad luck in some points of the of the season, but Carlos has been quite consistent in almost every race this year but and, and that's the point that, that's the key and the reason why he's ahead of, of Charles by uh, 16 points in the championship yeah it feels like Charles right now like both I think it's a problem with his confidence in the car and the team and also I feel like Charles is the type of driver who needs a number two and not a rival at this point um Max is somebody who excels when he has a rival, and you could see that, like, his extreme growth between 2016 and 2018 when he had Daniel Ricciardo as a partner, because, I mean, he had a seven-time Grand Prix winner as his rival and teammate, and so he had to learn how to build off of that. And then after that, he got, um, God, who was his teammate, actually? He had Alex Albon and Pierre Pierre Gasly, and, like, those are two people he just kind of rolled over. And then, you know, you got to see, like, how much he grew with Daniel in response to people who hadn't grown up with a good driver or in, like, a number one team right off the bat. Um, 
and now that he has a number two driver, he's like free to do whatever he wants. Whereas Charles, I feel like he entered the scene with uh, in 2018 with Alfa Romeo, and it's like he wasn't. I feel like at a team like that, there's no real number one and number two driver. It's just like you're kind of just learning. Whereas I feel like Charles is one of those drivers who could have come onto the grid with like a like a maybe just came straight to Ferrari rather than starting at Alfa Romeo, where he could have more time to learn with Seb or more time to learn with Kimi or whoever was supposed to be there. And now I feel like the thing that he needs the most in order to boost his confidence is like a driver that's going to help him develop those capabilities of communicating with his team, learning how to manage his tires better, and getting rid of like a lot of these mistakes. The same way that Checo has learned, uh, Checo has taught Max how to like manage tires. Daniel showed Max how to properly race and things like that. Um, but we yeah. could talk about I mean, how bad Ferrari is all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Charles, in the case of Charles, I think. He got into Ferrari in 2019, steamrolled Seb for two years, mm. um, and I think I think Seb just was that. I mean, admittedly, Seb has been in the twilight of has been at the end of his career for a while now. Yeah. I think the moment he got steamrolled by Seb, by Charles in 2019, it was kind of wraps on his well, let's say title aspirations or a career in general because he just it was mistake after mistake. Mm. I think Charles could have taken a lot more than he did from Seb in those two years. Yes. And then I don't think, yeah, I mean, inserting Carlos probably, yes, on paper, they're quick, quick, they're very quick. Uh, on paper, they're a very quick type, uh, team, yeah. team pairing. Yeah. But I think he could have used, yeah, I agree. I think I agree with you. He could have used someone more experienced, someone more um, older, let's say. Yeah. Um, to sort of guide him along the process. Because I think you see how sort of um, George and Lewis sort of uh, have Max and obviously all of his teammates and George and Lewis develop, whereas it's, you know, currently Lewis is beating George on, you know, he's he's found his form, he's beating him. But I don't think you see, George and Lewis don't see it as, yeah, we're competing with each other. It's more... We're competing um, to develop this car, and if the time comes when we're competing each other for a champ with each other for a championship, then gr- fine, we'll deal with it then. Whereas to me, to me right now, Ferrari seem like Charles and Carlos are competing with each other. Yeah. And yes, inherently, yes, they should. They, they're meant to be competing with each other, but at the same time, it's like n- compete with each other, but also the bigger picture is compete to get higher. In the standings and compete to get the car forward, not compete with each other, trying to out strategize each other. Mm-hmm. From the outside, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could talk about top four all day, <laughs> but uh, let's get through the rest of the teams real quick. So, uh, the next team that did, I think, well, but probably, I think they uh, are probably the best of the rest outside of the top four, Alpine. Uh, took the last two points positions, uh, or not the last two, they took 8th and 10th. So how do you guys feel about their performance this weekend and just that team as a whole? Because it feels like they're kind of stepping forward from the rest of the field. I think have been uh, strong since last year, but the last year they were not reliable and uh, they had a lot of, of issues with the car. And this year they started with terrible luck and uh, not the best, the worst uh, drivers management uh, with Pierre and, and Esteban Ocon both trying to be leading the team. Uh, we have seen 
amazing races from from Ocon and uh, amazing races from from Gasly this year and terrible races from both of them yeah. and this this race was like uh great i would say from them they had good pace but uh, in the end they they are still uh, uh, quite far from from the top four teams of the of the grid yeah i mean i agree i think they're sort of in that no man's land where they're clearly faster than the re the bottom half but they're not as quick on on a given weekend on a general on a sort of generic weekend uh they're not as quick as the top four yeah. so it's like you know i think monaco when they the podium in monaco is very very situational it was very lucked into in some aspects of it because of conditions and stuff like that um so yeah i mean look for a works team they're i don't know i think they should be a lot further ahead than they are right now um but you know I don't know if they'll get there this season, but maybe next season they'll compete for P4. You know, they'll probably close the gap a little bit, but you know, not compete outright for podiums and stuff. Yeah, one thing I'm. Uh, so I think first off, Monaco I don't feel like was a lucked into situation. Esteban Ocon had probably one of his best ever laps at Monaco in qualifying, and I feel like the team pushed him pretty well to get him onto the podium ahead of Lewis. But uh, I feel like all people. I mean, whole you know what? Very, yeah, yeah. no no you go ahead no. okay. i feel like alpine as a whole right now are kind of keeping the pace that they're expecting uh when they came into at i think when it was 2020 um when they took over Renault, they said they had a 100 race plan and i feel like they're following it pretty well like they're definitely it seems like they're definitely taking steps forward just not at the same pace as like uh aston martin like they definitely aren't taking one massive leap forward it feels like you can see the car like developing more and more and i feel like unlike their direct rivals in mclaren they're not situation based they're much more just on pace on a much more regular basis towards the back part of the points um yeah so another important yeah, thing is that, that alpine alpine is doing a lot of operational mistakes and don't forget that this weekend they had like two, three places with uh, penalties uh, for Piers Gasly for, for traffic and qualifying. That's something that we must blame the team because it's not uh, Piers' fault. He can look at the at the mirrors, but he can't uh, know where the, the other drivers are, are coming fast. That's uh, something that your engineer must tell you, and uh, you, we must be critical with, with them on, in this point. And it's not the first mistake uh, they have done in this uh, in this way. So yeah, I think they still have a lot of work ahead, and also the way they treat the drivers must improve in comparison to last year because they could, uh, they had the possibility. Having uh, Fernando Alonso or uh, Oscar Piastri driving for them, and they lost both of them because of a terrible management. Yeah. And they they had to to sign Gasly, who is a good driver, but uh, he's uh, not in the same level as Esteban Ocon, in my opinion. That's fair. Um... 
kind of direct rivals to McLaren seemed like they were having an awesome weekend, but then it heated up on race day, and I don't. I think uh, Lando kind of said it best that like you know they're. It feels like right now they're the, like how Mercedes were last year, where like in mildly cool conditions they seem like they can pull out a ton of pace, but in anything that's relatively normal they kind of just aren't on the pace. And also you know uh, Lando had. A very unfortunate start to his race so how do you guys feel like their weekend went but did they race today because i didn't see <laughs> none of them <laughs> oh so and, glad claire's not here <laughs> uh, not not much more to say Jakob, your thoughts. i mean yeah i mean look you are, you could always take it take out you could always go on the hypotheticals on and say oh had lando not had that damage where would he have ended up but i still think they end up outside the points so i mean cuz clearly the top 4 you had top 4 teams that six cars that were all quick yeah. all quicker than the mclaren and then the alpines were quicker so i mean i think had lando not had that incident maybe 10th you know, last few points positions, but I think it's more likely that they would have been outside the points. And yeah, I mean, they're just letting down Lando Norris so hard. Like he, I was watching the post race show and he, he just looks so defeated after that race. And it just seems like they're letting, I mean, Austria Piastri is supposed to be this all time talent and they're letting both of them down. So I think they really, I think they're, they're, you know, at the rate Perez is going, I think he's at danger of losing that seat. So I think McLaren do have, uh, are, the risk of losing Landon Norris is definitely increasing. I think increases by a lot if they don't get their act together this season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's not much more to say about them. Uh, they do have more upgrades coming, I think, in Canada, but not looking too bright for them they still are better than a few of the other midfield teams but it's like they they're just not functioning properly um but they are also in the middle of finishing i think their wind tunnel should be finished by uh mid-june and so they'll hopefully start to be able to bring in some more or at least study more for their 2024 car and i think lando's expressed his interest in staying until um 2024 to see how that car functions and if the wind tunnel is actually gonna ramp up the performance pretty well mm -hmm. um yeah but kinda, but like yeah imagine that red bull seat opens up in 2024 <laughs> i mean like so we all know that lando is gonna be an expensive driver and mclaren are very handsomely paying him i don't think red bull will be able to afford to pay both him and max at the same time um yeah but it's, uh, it's outside the I think, realistically speaking, it probably if that seat does open up, it'll be Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, true. I think they could. I think they could because Red Bull can race with the 2023 car until 2026. Oh, that's true. They will win every race. Yeah, and also driver salary isn't part of the budget cap, so that's, that's true. Good. Um, okay, so a team that kind of shocked me today uh, was Alfa Romeo. It feels like a very weird situation. Uh, I feel like most people are still expecting Valtteri to be the number one driver at that team, given his experience and how good of a driver we've known him to be at Mercedes and how like reliable he's his driver. But 
Joe today took P9. Uh, it was an awesome drive. I think he started from 12th and ended up P9 with some great overtakes and strategy calls. And then we had Valtteri say, I'll protect him after he got lapped by his teammates. So how do you guys feel about the dynamic in that team and, you know, what direction they're headed in? Valtteri is just chilling this, this season with Alfa Romeo. And uh, it's pretty obvious that Juan uh, Juju is the, is the driver who is carrying the team. And uh, it's not as obvious as uh, Fernando Alonso or uh, Max uh, that they are carrying their teams. Yeah. Because the Alfa Romeo does not have many points. Uh, right now, because the the midfield uh, is, they just have a few points available. If you discount the Red Bull, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and uh, Mercedes, so they don't have many points. But uh, Joel has been performing great uh, the last few races, and he did he did last year, but he had a lot of, a lot of uh, issues with the car and, and the bad luck. But he's a great driver. He's showing his skills in Formula One, and he can stay in the in the main uh, category for a few more years if he has the possibility to to change to a better team as Alfa Romeo than, than Alfa Romeo. Maybe with the Audi uh, with the Audi project, it's a good possibility for him. I don't know, but. Yeah, for me, it's weird team, and uh, we just can uh, consider this this uh, individual performances from from drivers. Mm. Jakob, your thoughts on Alfa Romeo currently? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all know about the talent level of Valtteri, so I think he's having a bit of a dip in form. He's He's enjoying off-track more than he is on-track. Oh, yeah. um, but, yeah, Joel has, you know, he's shown you why. I mean, I think there were a lot of doubts when he got signed that he was more of a pay driver, but he's showing you that he can drive, he can carry a team, he can do well. So, you know, I think he's definitely a good prospect. He definitely deserves a couple more years in Formula 1 to see if he can help with that Audi project or even a top team. Um, and maybe not a top team, but an upper midfield team. I don't know what top team will take the risk on that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think until that Audi project comes in, I don't know how to judge Alfa Romeo. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Or maybe, maybe McLaren, if, if they... True. Yeah. That'd be awesome, honestly. That'd be Um, a good, that'd be a good pairing. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Uh, okay. On to Haas, uh... I don't know how to feel about this team. I feel like we were all, well, yeah, I feel like we were all excited to see and hear that they're going to be operating close to the budget cap. And of course, we weren't expecting them to start doing a lot better until the second part of the season. But Gunter Steiner wants consistent point scores, and that's why he got Nico Hulkenberg. And right now, he doesn't have consistent point scores. <laughs> so, how do you guys uh, view the Haas team right now? Like, where? How do you think it's going? Haas is like uh, when in basketball teams uh, the coaches 
put on the on the game uh, an old driver, an old player who just uh, push other drivers and commit uh, fault to to stop the game. I think Haas is like <laughs> like this these players because they 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 are fighting for any position on the grid. Doesn't matter if they are fighting for a P5 or if they are fighting for a P18. Uh, they are fighting so hard, and sometimes uh, we see them performing great, like on qualifying this this weekend yeah. with Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, he his performance was quite um, close to the to the midfield and even the top teams. And uh, but yeah, on Sunday it's nothing else yeah. That's to, right. to see from from us. And K Mag is, is disappointing is disappointing me a lot this this year. Yeah. I expected more consistency from him, and Hockenberg has been more solid every race than than Magnussen. So yeah, and no nothing else from from them. <laughs> Jakob, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, I don't really have anything to add. That it's pretty. <laughs> like on a Saturday, they looked pretty quick. They're like Halkenberg was looked really good on a sat on on Saturday, and then it just seems to fall apart on Sunday. They either get themselves into an accident or the race pace is just not there for them. So, mm. yeah, I think you know. It just seems like they're in Formula One just to sort of drive at the back of the grid perennially. It always seems like that. They don't seem yeah. like they care about. It. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Obviously, Gunter Steiner wants more. So I think um, we'll see how the development goes. But as of right now, they're just uh, they're just existing, not really slumming it, slumming it with the alphas. <laughs> um. All right, no need to talk about Williams because, quite frankly, there's nothing to talk about there. Uh, but last thing I want to talk about is Alphatari. Um, I feel like this is a team that's flying under the radar. And I don't really think it's a team. I think it's more like Yuki's flying under the radar right now because Nick still hasn't finished above 14th place as of today. Um, and I think we can all still confidently say that we're very disappointed in his performances given the hype and the buildup to him coming into Formula 1. Um, but Yuki's kind of flying under the radar. He had an excellent uh, 75% of the race. Um, and <laughs> then I think, you know, I feel like he's still in the situation where he's still out driving the car. And I feel like he's pushing the car much more than what the car can give. And because of that, it's kind of like ruining the ends of his race. Uh, I think every single race so far he's finished within the top 12, including in Monaco where he had that brake issue. It's kind of like, is the AlphaTauri good or is it Yuki Tsunoda that's good? And I'm kind of curious to know what your guys' thoughts are on that. Well, I'm just here. The main reason for me to be here is to defend Yuki from the unfair penalty he was given today mm. because it's for me it's clear that it's just a race incident mm. and there are a lot of, of similar actions on track that are not punished and he was doing an amazing race 
uh, in P9 with the Taufotari, and uh, he even didn't contact with with Wang Yujo. Uh, he was doing the the first corner as he as, as he had to, and uh, Wang Yujo tried to overtake from the outside, and uh, I know it, for me it's a racing incident. Yeah. Now five second penalty for for someone who is doing a good race and. Uh, in that poor Alpha Tauri because I am pretty sure that the car is, is not good. Uh, the balance is terrible if you watch uh, onboard cameras. Uh, they had a lot of issues entering <laughs> the corners and and in the outside of the corners they, they have to correct the direction. It's it's terrible. It's very difficult to drive this these cars. And uh, Nick Debris for example is not performing as, as he was expected to. Uh, we saw him in a good race in Monza last year with Williams and he scored points in the first race in his debut in Formula 1 but uh, the truth is that he didn't perform like nothing special uh, in Monza and uh, he has not proven uh, his, his talent in, in F1 so far. Yeah. So the Alphatari is, is, is one of the slowest cars on the grid, uh, similar to Williams, <laughs> I would say, but uh, Yuki is, is doing a good job yes. this season. Yeah, could your thoughts on the penalty and just Alphatari as a whole? Yeah, the penalty wasn't that much is clear. It was, it was a racing incident. If, if, you know, to, if we're going to penalize something like that, then, you know, a lot worse can be said about a lot of different incidents that we see across races. So, no, I think it was an unfair penalty. And um, AlphaTauri, the whole, it's a slow car. Yes, it's a difficult car. Yuki is definitely outperforming the car. Um, I think case of Nick DeVries is is unique. Um, I think I personally think he is talented enough to be in Formula One. Now, yes, he hasn't proven that so far, but I think the AlphaTauri is a difficult car to drive. It's not exactly the easiest car on the grid. Um, so I think he I think he probably would have done a little bit more better in the Williams than he is doing now. Um, but yeah, I think compared to years of power also, they're not doing very well this year. So Yeah. One of the things yeah, that, just, uh, yeah, go ahead. Just to, to add some uh, details about the, the penalty of, of UK and why it was so unfair for, for him. There there's another example of, of a similar action in the race start, okay, it's a race start, and they are like more uh, laxed with the, the, those actions. But Carlos Sainz has to had to break in the outside of the corner because Max was not giving him in space. And if you watch the onboard of uh, Joe and the onboard of Carlos Sainz in the first uh, lap, it's a very similar action. Uh, the only difference is that Wanjiyo go to the 
to the uh, outside and, and science just break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to penalize... Have, would, would have Max received a five-second penalty? Yeah, because <laughs> so. yeah, if you're going to penalize that, then Max should have received a five-second because his his break, his lack of not giving space caused, caused science to break, which then caused Lewis to break, which then caught Lando. Yeah. So you, you could attribute... Max's thing to Lando's incident and penalize him. So I don't think that was a fair penalty. I think give it you 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 call it a racing incident and give him a reprimand if you want. But I mean, they gave George a reprimand for that quality stunt that he pulled on Lewis. So yeah, um, and that was arguably a lot worse than what what happened between Joe and Yuki. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was. Uh, I would be surprised if Alpha Tauri didn't uh, appeal the decision and, and mm. try and get it overturned. Yeah. Um, kind of back to Nick DeVries, though. I feel like a lot of people are putting him and Logan Sargent kind of in the same bubble since they haven't scored any points so far and that they're both rookies. Um, but also, I saw a post like probably 20 minutes after the race saying that like Nick DeVries is probably more susceptible to like being kicked out of F1 more so than Logan Sargent a lot sooner. Um, for two purposes, and the first that Williams is a known growth team that also isn't reliant on a big brother team, and also that unlike Nick DeVries, who's at AlphaTauri, and they clearly have like a very harsh system there, but also um, Logan Sargent is in a stage of learning how to properly communicate what he wants, where as Nick DeVries is a very experienced driver i mean he's won formula Renault uh, alps the euro cup f2 and formula e and he also has probably more experience in formula one than logan and it's probably pretty similar to how much time that oscar piastri had behind the alpine and so the big difference between them is that nick DeVries should know how to give uh feedback and proper feedback and how to communicate the team properly and the thing that kind of stuck out the most today or uh, I think it was yesterday during uh, qualifying was that Nick DeVries doesn't, he literally said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, which is a terrible assessment given the fact that you're probably one of the most experienced drivers on the grid. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And he's worked with, with Mercedes, with Williams, with um, Aston Martin, with a lot of different teams uh, in, in FP1 sessions last year. Yep. And he should have given the, the feedback from those teams to to Avatar this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to know, like, your guys' final thoughts. Um, kind of upcoming, we have a break, and then I think we have we have a break next week, and then we have Canada the following week. So uh, I think there's three teams bring, as far as we know of that are bringing upgrades to Canada. Uh, Ferrari are for sure bringing one. I think uh, we said that Aston Martin's bringing one, and then I'm pretty sure that McLaren's bringing a small upgrade as well. So, kind of, how are you how are you guys feeling about Canada? Is it going to be a repeat of today's race, or do you guys think it's going to be uh, a bit more shuffled up? Um, Red Bull one two. <laughs> it it should be like that. It's a great circuit for them. Yeah, could be thoughts. Uh, I don't know about the Red Bull one too. I can see <laughs> Max Verstappen winning the race. Yes, that's 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 almost a guaranteed sort of. If you were a betting man, you would you would probably bet on Max Verstappen winning. 
Um, I don't know. I think I, I, you know, like one could hope that um, um, Aston and Mercedes have a good fight. Um, I don't have. I think Perez is going through a bit of uh, sort of a low form sort of situation, uh, lull in form. I think he's. Um, Look, the title, the title, the title fight's over. It's. I think he needs to realize yeah. that the, the title oh, yeah, fight started. So. <laughs> the title fight was was on for about a race and a half, and now it's over. Yeah. And I think Helmut Marco um, is going to <laughs> over the next two weeks. Helmut Marco will be on that phone saying, "Listen, man, your title fight is over. <laughs> now your job is to get a Red Bull one-two in the in the drivers' championship." So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think. It's going to be. I think it'll be a bit. The order, I think, is going to stay relatively same. I think it's going to be Red Bull. Well, Red Bull being represented by Max Verstappen only, and then Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari. But um, how that sort of shakes out between Mercedes and Aston Martin is going to be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Canada is going to be an Aston Martin favorite circuit. Uh, circuits that have a lot of those really tight corners seem like something that. The Aston Martin specializes at, um, and if the weather is anything like previous ones, it'll probably be a track that Mercedes are also pretty good at. Red Bull are kind of good at everything, so you don't have to really worry about them. And Ferrari, they have a cornering machine, and I feel like that's kind of why they got caught out in a track like this because last year they had a car that was fantastic at medium and low speed corners. And this year, it kind of feels like they sacrificed all of that to try to get more straight line speed, like up with the Red Bulls, and it didn't work. And now they're they're they are where they are now. Uh, so I feel like Aston Martin. I feel like it's gonna edge out Mercedes in the next race just a little bit. Uh, maybe it's gonna be another Max Lewis Fernando type podium. Um, but I can also see Checo being pretty far up there, even though he's in a slump. Um, but. He qualifies in the top five. Maybe if he qualifies P twenty, that's fair. There's nothing to do. But yeah, that's all we got for you guys today. Um, Again, this is Alvaro. Uh, If you want to go ahead and tell him where to find you, we'll also put it in the description. But go ahead. Sorry. If you want to tell them where to find you at. Ah yeah. Well, you can find us in the Formula World on Instagram and Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube. YouTube, we are as Formula World TV. You can find us with a different uh, format for longer videos. And also on TikTok, we are there. So, yeah, you can find us almost everywhere. And our Instagram, if you can put our Instagram here, you can, you have the, the link for every single platform we are we are based in awesome um but for now that's all we got for you guys so uh since claire's not here Jakob's gonna do it this time i'm uh, <laughs> come on <laughs> Jakob, you uh, it's, lights out. <laughs> it's <laughs> lights out no 